Welcome to Bill and Kate, Both Sides of the Medication Cart, a podcast in which I, Bill, talk to my wife on the other side of the medication cart to try and find out why a an amazingly talented Canadian actress ended up on the wrong side of the medication cart in a psychiatric hospital. This is Bill and Kate, Both Sides of the Medication Cart. Like I said, this is Bill and Kate, both sides of the medication cart, and I am Bill. And on the other side of the cart there is my wife, mother of my children, and downright good egg, as we say, <laughs> in the UK, is Kate. How are you, Kate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to another episode in which I still am trying to figure out how a talented Canadian mm. drama student who was going to be the next great actress in Canada, like Judy Dench in Great Britain and... Uh, Helen Mirren in Great Britain, and you're going to be picking up a damehood at some point from I was from the Queen. I was. I had the dream, baby. I had the dream. How you ended up in a psychiatric hospital? But not only that. On our last episode, you were in the general ward, general hospital. Mm-hmm. You were sat in a bed, and um, you'd been in and out probably six or seven or eight times now in the in the hospital. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd been to a psychiatric group home. You'd also been home to your mother and sisters several times. You couldn't settle anywhere. So the system have decided to send you to a long-term psychiatric unit that you've only ever heard about mm-hmm. called Whitby. Just to Whit- remind our listeners out there, Whitby... Ontario. Ontario, right. Whitby Psychiatric Unit... At the end of the day, you can call it what you will, but it was an asylum at the end of yes, the day. Yes, it was. So the, the system now has kind of said, right, we've done all we can for you, Kate. We're sending you to Whitby. Mm-hmm. The last image we've got of you is being very theatrical, throwing your papers in the air, saying, don't you realise who I am? How dare they treat me like this? Yes, yes. I did I, I, I did that in the privacy of my room. My, the nurse had already left, mm. but... You know, as I was acting out what was going on, of course, I continued acting even though I was the only one there. I had no audience. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, what happened then, Bill, is I picked up the papers. Yeah. Curiosity won me over. What did these papers say? What was this about Kathy, my nurse, telling me that I was going to the psychotherapy unit and it was a special unit where people got well and where the whole um, um, remit was to get you off of medication and isn't this wonderful and experimental and fantastic and what an opportunity is what she presented to me. So I Ah, I, so you're lucky. I exactly yeah, lucky. I'm blessed. Yeah, I'm ble- yeah. Thank you so much. Just yeah. what I always wanted. So I picked up the paperwork and I started to read it. And uh what happened next is something I will never forget mm-hmm. because it said on the um, paperwork filled out by my psychiatrist in longhand, yeah, prognosis, prognosis. So that's what your future holds is yeah. what prognosis means. Yeah. When will she be well? And he had written several months plus, hopefully. And I'll never forget it because I stopped breathing. I stopped breathing for two reasons. They were sending me there for several months plus. The most I'd ever been in hospital uh, with the general hospital was about two weeks in and out, in and out, you know. But several months plus, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. And then that word, hopefully. Mm. Not even my psychiatrist had full faith that I would ever get well. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I still didn't know what was wrong with me. I still thought it was all lark and, and uh, that, uh, you know, they were they were making it up, so to speak. 
you know, this I is quite this is quite frightening, really. Oh. It's, it's like you've been you've been looked after, you've been medicated, mm-hmm. you've been home, you've been on holiday, you've been and stayed in, in the house for a while. Yeah, uh, and then you've been back to hospital. Three three hots and a cot, as you describe it. I do three hot meals a day and a bed to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've given you a private room several times, mm-hmm. uh, and now. They've decided that's it. Enough's enough. We are condemning you almost. Uh, condemning. What a word. You know, I mean, looking back on it, looking back on it, they were trying to help me. And they have limitations of how they can do that. But they were trying to help me. Yeah. But I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it that way. I saw that they were sending me away. They were sending me somewhere I would never be heard from again. I was going to be warehoused with all these people who were to use a terrible phrase, window lickers, people who were incredibly mentally ill. But then you become part of your nieces and nephews' hypocritical stories. You're, you're the auntie mm. that, that went away and was never seen again. Uh, that was what it was feeling like. You know. That's what it was feeling like. So what did I do? What did I do? How did I respond to this? Well, I was angry. I was frustrated. I was gobsmacked, to use a good British expression. What did I do? Well, what I did, I got dressed. It was midwinter, about November, maybe early December. I got dressed, and I very quietly, without drawing any attention to me, I left the ward. You walked out? I walked out. And what I did was I hitchhiked back to my mother and sisters. So you told nobody where you were going? Nope. You've just been given a major kind of decision-making paperwork. Yep. We're sending you for long-term psychiatric yep. care. I escaped. Again, the, th- <laughs> <coughs> the, the theatrical side of you is still there, isn't oh, it? Oh, baby, I was, I, know. Was, I was doing drama. If I'm going to be the lunatic, I'm going to have a good story to tell. So but pop- that's what I did, is I left the hospital. And so you had it's to... Like you, you popped on the costume. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you stepped out yeah. into the, you know, the auditorium. Put yeah. your thumb out and... And, and I, don't know, I don't know if I've told you about the boots, but because I'd lived the last three years in Vancouver, I had no winter clothes because Vancouver is, is temperate and doesn't do mm. snow-bound winter the way Toronto does. My mother had bought me a pair of pull-on boots and they were about 27 sizes too big. So clunk, 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 I left the ward. Yeah, and I had my coat and by then I had a pretty good coat and I had a hat and mitts, you know, because I really feel the cold. And what I did was I walked clunk, clunk, clunk from Major Mackenzie Road all the way to Young Street, which is a good mile, mile and a half. And when I got to Young Street, which is what my mother and sister also live near Young Street, the longest street in the world, it is the longest Mm. street in the world, I hitchhiked to my mother and sisters. Did you manage to get a lift all right? Oh yeah, baby. Looking like that. And I looked normal. I didn't look like I was mentally ill. I didn't look like I'd just come from hospital. I could fake it till I make it. So I got picked up by this guy. I remember it. I remember it. He was a dental student. So he was telling me all about his dental student and what do you do? I said, well, right now I'm an out-of-work actress. So I still had that belief, you know, and that yeah. that story and that, that baloney that I was throwing about. And I really was letting go of my dream was reluctantly. The, I have to ask from this side of the medication cut because it seems a very strange and bizarre thing to do when you've been told that you're about to be sent mm-hmm. off to... No sev- way. Several months no way. plus. Uh, that you managed to veil it really, really well, that there's nothing wrong with sure. you. Sure. You know, and you can go out into society and, and 
be normal or, you know, draw, not draw any attention to yourself. And that's what I did. And, you know, basically I was always a voluntary uh, patient. Mm. I was never certified or sectioned, as they call it here in England. I was always voluntary. So if I wanted to leave the hospital, I could do that. I could discharge myself and sign myself out. Now, sneaking out to go hitchhiking, not a good idea mm. because the hospital is responsible for me. So when they realized I was gone, they had a little panic attack. Well, they would. Yeah. So they, they searched locally, the, the ward, and, and I don't know if they searched the hospital grounds, right? But they phoned my mother and sister, have you seen her? And my mother basically said, oh, she's just walking in the door now. What? Did you have any idea of how much panic that you would fill oh, into Bill. a lot of people? Not just the ward, I but know. the staff. And I if know. they did search the hospital, and then they did search the grounds, etc., mm -hmm. that is a lot of people looking for you. And you have to you have to recognise, not only was I missing and lost, but this is a, a psychiatric ward. People commit suicide. Mm. You know, So when somebody goes missing... It's not just like, oh, we, we need to find her because dinner's in 15 minutes, right? When somebody goes missing, yeah. you know, the fear, the fear of them doing something to hurt themselves, especially in the state that I was in, mm. yeah? I could have gone and walked out in front of a car. I could have gone and, and got lost in the woods. You know, I could have done... So, so it was incredibly, incredibly selfish of me to do this. You know, I had no concern for anybody else that, you know, the ward would panic when they realized I was gone. My mother and sister would panic because they didn't know where I, you know, I had no concern for anybody else. You just hit the nail on the head then from this side of the medication cart. It is very selfish because had anything happened to you, yeah, the, the consequences of that for that hospital That's right. would have been horrific. That's right. I'm not saying that you've thought about that when mm -hmm. you're trying to get, mm -hmm. you know, a lift with your a, a dentist student who's going to tell you all about his course, but the actual fallout of anything that you could have possibly done yeah. to yourself and to someone else, mm -hmm. you know, and and this is the mid to would late eighties. Horrendous. This is the mid to late eighties. People don't hitchhike. People don't hitchhike. People hitchhiked in the sixties and the seventies, but people don't hitchhike anymore. Mm. So for me to be on the side of the road in the freezing cold in my oversized boots. You know, a lot of cars went past me before that dental student stopped yeah. to pick me up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he took a risk because he doesn't know who I am. And I took a risk because I don't know who he is. My dad used to say about hitchhiking, it's an unnecessary risk. You know, you just don't do it. Just don't do it. But you didn't see that, did you? No, I was just, I just wanted to get home. I did not want to go to Whitby. Oh, my goodness. Whitby was notorious, had a reputation. It was the end of the road. And when I saw on the paperwork several months plus, hopefully yeah well you know and and I, it's like i said before i was trying to escape myself and that's kind of saying that's it it's over now no more theater no more dreams no no, no more kate the great no more uh you know delusions of of grandeur yeah. the, the grand dame all that gone in that yeah. in that instant of saying right we're sending you here but we don't know how long for and we're not really sure what's wrong with you Exactly. And if I was playing a game, if I was playing at being ill, which there was definitely an element of that, you know, this, this histrionics and, and making things bigger than they were, I was inspired by One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm, you know, mm. I was the Jack Nicholson character. There's nothing wrong with me, but I'll play cards with you. Yeah. You know, and here I was as my comeuppance was happening. I was getting shipped to Whitby. Mm. What do you mean? 
there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a lot wrong with me. There was a lot wrong with me, but I didn't see it. So your mother's on the end of the phone, mm-hmm. uh, and nurse uh, Kathy, Katie, or whoever, yeah. has said, "Oh, she, you know, we can't find her." And your mum says she's walking through the door. Yeah. What kind of reception did you get? Well, I think my mother was more than anything glad to see me. Yeah, my mother wasn't a person who who kicked into anger very often. So she was glad to see me. And, uh, you know, basically she just looked at me and, and she helped me get warm. She brought me in. She helped take off my coat and boots. And she said, do you want a cup of tea? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I told her that they want to send me to Whitby. And she said, I know. I said, you know? You know? And you didn't stop them? You know? And, and my mom said, well, we don't know what to do with you. You know? And, and that's the, the next treatment on the path. You know, what? I said, no, mum, let me come here. Let me be here. We were doing just fine last week before we went back to hospital. We will do fine again. I will settle. I will calm down. You got well from being mentally ill, mum. Sharon got well from being mentally ill. I will get well. I have to ask from this side of the medication car, and uh, I know treatment is treatment is treatment, and if the treatment works, then all well and good and you're on that road to recovery. You've just cited there that your mum was unwell mentally and your sister was unwell, men, unwell mentally and um, that you are now realize, realising that there is probably something quite drastically wrong with you. Yeah. Right? I have to ask, did you not have any conscience at all that your mental illness was completely reaffecting your mum and your sister at this time? No. My mother and my sister were both well. They were very upset with the situation, you know, and, and Sharon had just had the shock of, of Jimmy, my brother, kicking her out of their office. Um, and, and, you know, the, the relationship between my mother and father was fraught, mm. was absolutely fraught. So there were all sorts of things going on in my family that were, were heightened and were difficult. And I was, in some ways, I was just one of them. But my mother and sister know there was no threat that their mental health was was suffering. Just the situation was not a good one. So they knew that you were going to Whitby. They knew that the authorities yeah. had decided yeah, to make, make right. that decision because yeah. obviously they're going to contact your next of kin first just in case and all that kind of reasoning. Yeah. Um, how did that make you feel that they knew and you... Well, uh, and I didn't. And you didn't. Exactly. Yeah. And this, this was a pattern. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe it, but I felt repeatedly that people were lying to me. Mm. And so I didn't know who to believe. I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know what to think. And I thought people, my mum, my sister, Kathy, the psychiatrist, I thought they were lying to me. And they would tell me something and it would turn out to not be true. Is this paranoia or or genuinely you thinking people are okay i think that there's an element that people weren't telling me all the truth yeah things like my mom knowing that i was going to be sent to whitby before i did why didn't she tell me what was she keeping from me i don't know i have to i have to say from this side of the car you know when when you that bedside manner that people have Mm. when they know something about you that you don't exactly maybe they were trying to protect you oh i have i have no doubt and i've had 30 years to think about it Mm. and my mother did the best she could my sister did the best she could kathy the nurse did the best she could 
everybody was trying to help me mm. and everybody had good intention. Mm. I totally believe that. But I also believe that my mother and my sister would talk about things and not include me in that. Mm. And, you know, I mean, whether it wasn't any of my business or it's best not to tell her. But it, it is a bit like it is a bit like someone being diagnosed with cancer and not telling them the diagnosis, absolutely, which happens. And different um, um, doctors have different theories on this, whether you tell the person or you don't tell the person. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. here I repeatedly felt like people were lying to me. So some of that, yes, Bill, is the paranoia of the illness. Mm. And some of that is rooted in truth. So you're back at your mums and sisters. Um, what happened? Okay, well, my mother, um, after the cup of tea, yeah. I said, I can't go to Whitby. So my mum phoned the hospital and said, we will keep her. Is it okay? Can Again? Absolutely. My mother and my sister were, were endlessly helpful and put up with so much from me. Even they knew potentially what could have happened. You could have been, I want to ride downtown, I need to lift here, I mm, need to lift there. That I would run away, that I would escape. Yeah. You know, and again, again, there's always the threat that I'm going to lose it completely and commit suicide. Mm -hmm, you know, And mm -hmm. who's going to be responsible? Who's on whose watch is that going to happen? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Part of the reason why they kept putting me back in the hospital was to protect me. Mm -hmm. Because I was that out of touch with reality that I was a danger to myself. And I was out of touch with reality. I can tell you the story now, lucidly, but at the time, I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you, you're at your mother and sisters, you've sat down, you've had a cup of tea. What decisions have been made on your behalf? Well, to discharge me and that I would stay at my mother and sister's. Discharge from the hospital completely? Yeah, that's right. So you and your sister go through that ritual again of cutting another... Yeah, <laughs> we did, my darling. Cutting another hospital this bracelet. This is it. This is the final time. You're here, you're here to stay. Right, I want to kind of wrap this one up, and I always do uh, when we get to this side of the story and this side from my side of the medication car, I have to ask, um, you've been found out, you've been sent home, you've, well, you've found your own way home, your mum and your sister knew that you were going to be sent to Whitby. I want to ask you, Kate, how are you feeling right now? Well, I was feeling relieved. I was feeling relieved because my mother and my sister's home seemed like sanctuary and hospital was demonized in my mind. So that's why I escaped and then I was being allowed to stay at my mother and sister's. That's what I truly wanted and that's where the healing would happen. I was feeling relieved. I have to say then, Kate, from this side of the car, thank you very, very much for your openness and your honesty again. This story is really evolving for me, and I can see lots and lots of patterns throughout your life uh, that you always kind of run back to sanctuary, and it always seems to be your mum and your sister, because you knew that they would be there for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the authorities knew nothing about you at all. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't no, know, they didn't. They didn't know you at all. Kate, thank you ever so much for your openness and honesty. Uh, and join us next time when you're going to be telling me more stories from that side to this side of the medication cart. Thank you, Kate. You're very welcome. Well, there you have it. They were going to send Kate to a psychiatric asylum, as they call it, the dreaded Whitby that people had only heard about and never been to. And once again, she ends up back with her mum and sister, getting discharged from the hospital. Join us next time when Bill and Kate will be talking more of both sides of the medication cart. Mm -hmm.